Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're going to talk about norms, whatever that is. <laughs> we're going to find out. Friends, we're figuring it out. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we're so happy to have you join us today on this podcast, talking about Norm, our friend Norm. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, when I Googled Norms just to start the research, it came up with some diner named Norm. Norm There's Norm. like a we Norm's go there. 24-hour diner. He's sponsoring this show today. Sponsored by Norm's 24-hour <laughs> diner. Thank you, Norm. Yeah, exactly. And if you haven't figured it out, we're here to talk about ease, meaning, and joy, because those are the three, those are the three pillars of our stool. Wait, no, legs of our stool. (laughs) The pillars of our stool, the legs of our temple, and women and work. That is it, right there. Ease, meaning, and joy, women, and work. Yeah, lock that in. All in, 100%. And um, we are recording from the land of the Coast Salish people, and today is International Recognition of People with Disabilities. There you go. Because we do our research. We look at the calendar. We're figuring this stuff out. Which is, I mean, this is the whole point of these days is to just say, okay, let's pay attention. Yeah, let's pay attention and acknowledge. pay attention and acknowledge. Speaking of, I saw a meme I have to tell you about, which is, I mean, of course, this is like the beginning of the holiday season. (laughs) And I know what it is. And women have this like... You know, insane burden all the time Mm -hmm. and then triple it during the holiday season. Anybody who is partnered with a man, this is just I just want to know a woman partnered with a man. I don't mean a man by yourself. I mean, a a woman partnered with a man. If your partner shares equally in the holiday labors, please post to Facebook or Instagram and let us know because we are going to do a backflip. Or send us a story. Send us a picture of... Because we're so happy to hear those beautiful stories. Your partner shopping or (laughs) (laughs) wrapping a present or whatever. Anyway, this meme said it was a woman and she was in front of uh, her computer and looking kind of... I don't even know what the word is. Bedraggled. Bedraggled. Is that really a word? It's a word. Bedraggled. That's almost what I said. And then I just stopped myself. No, it's like, bedraggled. I just made it up. She's looking bedraggled. She's got a child on her arm kind of pulling at her and uh, she's holding her head in her hands. And she, the, it says, I'm tired of working as if I don't have children and I'm tired of parenting as if I don't have a job. And I thought, yes, whoa. Yes. And I add to that. And I'm tired of living as if I don't have needs. Yes. (laughs) I sound super grumpy today. I don't feel grumpy, but I'm realizing as I listen to myself talk, I sound grumpy. I need to turn that frown upside down. (laughs) Yes, you do. Bullshit. Comment. Make some lemonade out of those lemons. Uh -uh, I'm just showing up as I am. Speaking of those other memes, just like take what you have and make the best. I I was asking you about memes the other day. We had a meme conversation about all the people that put the bright, sunny memes up there that don't really recognize well, they're also, reality yeah. yeah and there are these like false expectations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like do with what do the best with what you have well i get that but what if what i have is shit and i deserve more right or what if what you have is really hard yeah. like domestic violence or child abuse or even just a really terribly abusive situation at work yeah yeah just make the best of that that just seems like such a bullshit statement i know so when i see a meme like that one that i just said it's real like oh yes Yes. i can get behind that i'm gonna Mm -hmm. repost that isn't that just like whenever i see things that feel real like that that don't have some false expectation it just makes me relax yeah i just feel relaxed 
Yes. It's like our show. <laughs> no polish. No. Just show up. Just show up and be real. Just bring your PJs and your tea, which is what mm-hmm. I have today. And I'm the one with the sultry voice today. This cold is hanging on. It's not COVID. I got tested, t- tested but yeah. But a cold. But a little, yeah, a little bit of a holiday I'm clean, gift. man. It's a holiday gift I'm for clean. sure. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about norms. But before we go to norms, we have had some very interesting geographic diversity that we just want to check in about yeah it is interesting watching the statistics so i'm a bit of a stalker and a data geek when it comes to our listeners and we can see how many downloads we get from different countries and from different states Uh, we can't get it down to city but state and country and so i notice when we see new clusters and we've had a couple of new clusters that just like strike me like very interesting qatar qatar hello qatar switzerland Shout out to Switzerland and Ireland and Sweden. Hello, my people. We Sweden. see you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And then also in the U.S. I mean, we have a lot of Pacific Northwestern. We have a lot of listeners sort of on the East and West Coast. So when I see things like South Carolina or Georgia or the South. Texas pop up, which are also lighting up these days, I have to say shout out to those. Shout out to the shout South. Shout out to the South. And finally. Welcome. Welcome, exactly. And finally, I do have to say to our, we have two friends in Hawaii, and I, I believe in Maui. Lucky, lucky dogs. <laughs> yeah, especially at 3.30 when Kirsten came to record this. She's like, it's dark. It's black. It's, it's pitch dark. It's, it's pitch black at 3.30 in the Pacific Northwest. But I want to say to our friends, Kate and Jen in Maui, thank you for listening. Thanks for being in Maui. It just makes me feel good knowing you're there. I felt like a real radio personality right there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And listen to me. I laugh. I'm like, you feel like a radio. It's <laughs> a good I like friend. A, I feel like a bona fide Ooh. podcaster. Okay. But we are talking about norms. We are getting into norms. And why? Why? Why are we talking about norms, you ask? Because you want to. It's because last time we talked about empathy, which was yours. I wanted to talk about empathy. We're going to start just keeping score. I'm going to put it on the wall. No, these. so norms are these things, both written and unwritten, spoken and unspoken, but they're basically the sort of rules or expectations or guidelines or whatever. Is it fair to say ways of going? Would ways, you also, sure. Okay. That dictate behavior. In a group. And we'll define them a little bit further in a minute. But if you can think about all of the ways that you at your office or your workplace or in your family or on your sports team or whatever, sort of all you sort of mutually agree on. Whether you know it or not. Yep. Whether it's whether it's um, implicit, like just assumed or you've actually made the, you know, real agreement orally or somehow. Yeah. You, it is the way that you all have agreed to behave. And in so many of my clients recently, I've been having conversations about what it is that dictates expectations. Mm-hmm. And do, are we, do, is everyone in agreement? And have you made that known? Have you made them known? And as we've talked about this, what you've said to me so many times, which is striking. And of course, as soon as you say it, I'm like, of course. <laughs> but that most organizations don't even understand or recognize their norms. Yeah. They're not intentional. They're not thought through. They're just somehow organically developed. That's right. And then as people come and go, we expect them to organically understand what they are. 
and it you it start it's sort of so and successfully or unsuccessfully people sort of start to observe and bend to these norms again that dictate behavior and like i said so many of my clients are are at these what we call pain points where they're trying to understand what some what's going wrong or what's going right mm-hmm. and they haven't done the work to really ask themselves have we even had these conversations do we understand what we're all agreeing on do we know what success looks like do we understand how we're supposed to behave etc cetera, etc cetera. so i was really excited to dig into this because i think it's one of those keys i think it's one of those keys to sort of unlocking your workplace culture and 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 then hopefully improving it if necessary. You were talking about some work that you'd recently done a couple of weeks ago and you said to me you were talking about norms like in um how do you speak in a meeting do you interrupt do you raise your hand it's like can can you come to a meeting late is everybody expected to be on time are you expected to have prepared or is it acceptable to prepare at the meeting or to ask questions Mm -hmm. so I don't remember what you told me. What are those kinds of things called? So those are specific norms called technical norms. Okay. And and we they are frequently the norms that dictate how work is how work gets done. Like you said, those they are the ones similar to the examples you just gave. Okay. And technical norms. Technical norms. Okay. And in most workplaces, we do a decent job of articulating technical norms. You know, again, you show up on time. You this is how you turn in your timesheet. This is what your job description. Like, so they are frequently socialized or transferred to new people by regulations or uh, rules. Respond. Um, what am I trying to say? Not laws. What happens in a workplace? It's not a law. Policy. <laughs> Policies. <laughs> Protocols, etc. But there's another kind of norm too. Which, which is the one I think that is when we were, yeah. Digging, you want me to finish that? I do. I said, so, so what is the other, yeah, there's another norm, which is the social, social norms. And these are norms that really guide interactions, particularly with regard to like conflict and decision making and accountability. So is this like relationships, how we are in relationship with each other and what the rules are about our relationship? Yeah. Okay. And we those you learn by observing or trial and error. That's so interesting you say that, the, the technical rule about conflicts. I think about my experience at the law firm when I was a new lawyer. And only two lawyers were allowed to fight. What? Yeah, in a group of like eight lawyers, only two of the lawyers were allowed to disagree. As I think back on that. So the norm was that all of the disagreements took place between these two lawyers. Oh, so it's not like we can only have two people fighting with each other at a time. It's that the only these yeah. two are allowed mm-hmm. to disagree. Yes. And they, they carried all the disagreement for the law firm. Like the rest of us really didn't disagree with each other because these two kind of carried all of the disagreements between them. Like, I think if I would have gotten into a fight with somebody or a disagreement with somebody, they'd been like, uh, no, those two fight, not us. Interesting. Yeah, it was as I as you just said that it just came in. I just flashed in my mind. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a technical norm. That's a 
social oh, norm. Oh, sorry. That's right. That's a social that's norm. That's a social norm. But it's also an interesting one because if you dig into norms, you'll realize that there are actually, that norms aren't necessarily universal. That depending on your position in oh, an organization, yeah. you can get away with a whole bunch of different stuff. There's different norms for leaders, yada, yada. There's also like norms that are written in your policies, but that, but there's the reality norms, which mm -hmm. are frequently, which is what people actually do, actually do, which mm -hmm. are totally just so. So to me, it just it seemed like this really rich subject to kind of dig into. Essentially, how do you act at work? How do your coworkers act? How do you act together? This strikes me as a Jane Goodall moment. Yeah, exactly. When you're taking your watching the wildlife, anthropology. right? I often describe this, the Jane Goodall movement, which is it's time to get our little notebooks out, get our pencils out, put our little jackets on <laughs> and sit and take notes. Yes. And look at the wildlife. Yes. Around. Us. Yes. And watch the wildlife interact and go, go through the office doors, you know, go through the halls, go to the break room. What is the wildlife doing? Do they and do they agree? Which sort of leads us to this other layer of norms which I want to dig into a little bit before we kind of talk about sort of, I guess, some specifics and also some norms that I think are going to, we think are going to be changing. Hopefully. Because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But it's this notion of gender and race. You know, we are a show that is focused on women. And I would say not every episode do we just really only focus on women. Sometimes we're just looking at things more universally. But I think when it comes to norms... The overlay of gender and frankly race yeah. is pretty significant. It is, yeah. It's really significant. Like, I mean, I can think of so many situations where it's okay to yell if you're a man, but not if you're a woman. Oh, yeah. And certainly not if you're a black woman. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Because then you would be the angry black woman. And we know what that, you know, we know what that paradigm is. Um, but I think when we look at the gender issue, we all learn this so young, right? Mm -hmm. We learn this in childhood. And then those are the norms that we bring into the workplace about what women can and can't do, what men can and can't do, and then how the power dynamics happen between people. And all of that just gets carried through all the way through into our institutions, right? Yeah. Like you said, it's home, parent, media, school, workplace, mm -hmm. religion, a lot of these norms that are yeah, gender and race based are developed early and carried on through. Mm -hmm. And I don't, it, it, I'm wondering if like, I mean, I'm not even wondering, I'm going to assume just like all the other norms that happen at work, how, you know, whether or not you show up on time or not, that gender and race based norms are totally unconscious. We don't even think about them. We just Much accept more, them as yep. normal, we just accept them. which I think is kind of hence this, this term. What else do you want to say about the the overlay there of gender and, and race? Well, I think one of the things that's frustrating for me and that I really struggle with because I grew up with the norm, I think that white workplace norms, right? I mean, I, let me just rephrase that. Workplace norms are white. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Workplace norms are white. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of room for other norms, mm -hmm. right? We have a particular kind of speech, grammar, intonation, volume, writing, um, 
how folks interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's very white. Yeah. Your grammar has to be perfect. Yeah. Your enunciation, your tone, your whatever, your 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 professionalism as opposed to familiarity. Yeah. Right. So like there's a more focus on professionalism as opposed to familiarity. When I think really more familiarity as a norm in the workplace would be lovely. Is the uh, professionalism, is the familiarity the non-white norm? I don't think. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think that that there is a coldness yeah, there is a coldness. When I say professionalism, I'm actually saying a coldness. Yeah, that we don't, and, and all of this stuff is all you know spinning in my head of stereotypes and bias and all of that stuff. But what I do know is that not everybody fits into that culture, right? And even those if, norms don't work for folks. Those norms don't work for folks, and they are in many cases, or if um. They are in many cases rooted in white culture, mm-hmm. and then they're not discussed explicitly. Not well, only no. are they rooted in white culture, we they're assume just that assumed. everybody knows them, you know, and I, wants to do them, and wants to do them, <laughs> and that they are the best. Mm-hmm. I had this um, really interesting conversation with someone years ago, and I will never forget it because I am, as we've talked about in our you know episode about time and task mastering mm-hmm. and perfectionism or whatever. I'm pretty focused on being somewhere on time and getting whatever it is done that we need to get done. And years ago, I may have even said this already on the air, I was talking to someone who had a house in Costa Rica. So she spent half of her um, year in Costa Rica. And she said, here in the US, if you're late for a meeting, people immediately ask you, what happened? Are you okay? Are you okay? She said, when, yes, you're, I late, know this. when you're late for a meeting, <laughs> yeah, I know. Kirsten's like, yeah, I got I it. I get it. I, that happened. In Costa Rica, if you're late for a meeting, people say, who did you meet along the way? See? Right? Their assumption oh, is that you I are going to be late. so much. And so, again, like our norm is you're on time, you get, you know, you come prepared, you get it. Where there, and there, you haven't met anybody along the way. And you haven't met anybody along the way. Mm-hmm. There's the assumption is like, hey, if you're late, A, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. B, there was obviously something more important and likely it was a or relationship. Else something just good. Yeah, or something good. Even without a relatively less or more important, something just good. Yeah. Yeah, why does one thing have to be more important than the other? Why can't they all just be good? I don't know, Kirsten. Why are you asking me these hard <laughs> questions? <laughs> but it is interesting. Like, yeah, so I don't think you've told that Costa Rica story before. I really, really like it. Yeah, I do too. I, I and I and I think that is kind of that overlay of like you said, um, the difference between professionalism and what did you say? Can familiarity. I, familiarity. Familiarity. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of that. And so we've got, but. You know, and so that's just one example of a whole bunch of different ones that are uh, rooted in whiteness. I think there are also norms around women and gender issues, you know, that um, around our dress, our speech, our professionalism, our preparedness, our responsiveness, our caretaking, having children, our kindness. You know, I didn't put pictures of my children in my office for years because it wasn't acceptable. It just wasn't. I just didn't. I just didn't want to have those conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to my, and I, that's why that meme that you started off was so powerful to me. I'm tired of living. Yeah. I'm tired of parenting. Like I don't have a job and I'm tired of, of, of working. Like I don't have children. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's, I, mean, I completely resonate with that. Exactly. And that is a norm that in a lot of the kind of white collar jobs that we do, we absolutely, well, in a lot of jobs, period, mm-hmm. women have to do that contortion. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, recognizing this and starting to dig into it in your own personal um, workplace, thinking, God, really, what are the norms that dictate behavior? And do I agree with them? And can I change them or push back on them? Do and they work? Do they work? Are that's, they inclusive? That's pretty powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and in they do serve a purpose. It's good to be introspective about this stuff. It's good to be explicit about what your norms are because norms really serve a purpose, especially at work. Yeah. They're efficient at getting things done. Yeah. We all understand what is expected of us. We don't have to negotiate it each time. That's right. We're not embarrassed. We avoid embarrassing Mm -hmm. situations. That's one of the, you know, sort of stated benefits of norms is that everyone is more feels more safe. They're not worried about tripping up they also really they also kind of summarize and simplify your process your group your Mm -hmm. process right Mm -hmm. like it just makes things hopefully hopefully makes more things more efficient and it's also interesting though and and for better or worse they also define you Mm -hmm. right yeah they create your who you are you know i i kind of think of culture as made up of a bunch of norms i don't know that's right but that's how it is in my brain yeah you know, I agree with you. And I wonder, can I ask you a law firm question? I don't know why I ask permission to ask you a question, but <laughs> it's the facilitator in me. The um, You talked a while ago about how your dress has changed, how the oh, actual physical yes. appearance has changed. So what we consider office attire mm-hmm. has changed in your law mm-hmm. firm over the years. Mm-hmm. And, 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 it signals. So when someone walks in, so this norm, which is here's what professional attire looks like, mm-hmm. and it's not the best, you know, most expensive shoes anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you all agree on that. Then you start behaving that way. And someone walks in and sees your the attorneys and it tells that person who you are. It tells them you are what? More casual, more accepting, maybe. Well, I think if we start back at the be- earlier which is when I was wearing dresses, skirts, suits, pantyhose, and perfectly sized two inch, two, two and a half inch pumps, maybe two and a half, but usually two, right? Um, it was- By the u- way, pantyhose. Pantyhose. I just- Yes. That and then cream rinse. Do you remember cream rinse? It was the pre-conditioner. Yes. It was before yes. conditioner, that word yes. cream rinse. I don't know, so pantyhose and cream I rinse. I never knew the difference between conditioner and cream rinse. It's the same this thing. This is my problem. I have when a is... beauty problem. I never know what these things are. <laughs> no, cream rinse is like out of the 80s. I'm sorry, totally upset. I upset your no, story. No, no, that's exactly, but no, uh, I think that was the uniform. That was the norm. That was what was expected. Mm-hmm. And as, frankly, as younger women came into the workplace and were more casual or more laid back, it just became the norm was, oh, um, I can remember when I stopped wearing pantyhose. Wow. Wow. Oh, that was so great. Liberating. Pantyhose suck. They're terrible. They're terrible. Um, and, and this is not to say that different people don't have different, like my partner, Sally, is a fabulous dresser. She's so like, she's like a movie star, Sally. She really is with her glasses and her hair. She's gorgeous and she dresses beautifully. She's very stylish, but that's her self-expression. It's not the norm. Right. 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 The norm now is really like, as long as you like, you know, I mean, and sometimes people are even in jeans. And so what do you think that change? What do you, 
do you think that so I was started by saying this. I think it was put on steroids by the pandemic frankly yeah but norms define who you are and I think that's a perfect example the work hasn't changed the quality of your work has not the conversations changed. have not changed. conversations have not changed but you have you are signaling. we have changed the norms because the norms actually do not contribute to the work right it is a facade so you're yeah so that norm now signals to others look we're focused on the work Mm-hmm. Or whatever, and not to say that people don't still dress like that in court. Yeah, let's get uh, clear. Yeah, I Clients, think they do. She's going to show up in the two inch heels and pantyhose. I think they do, but I do think when you're not in court, I don't feel like my my ability to to advise clients is impacted by whether or not I have a skirt and pantyhose and pumps on, yeah. or a pair of wool pants and some flats. Right. So again, that norm may signal may say something about this group. And we can, you know, determine. And it may say something that's not even true. Right. Like, yeah. I think it wasn't true. I think we were trying to say something about our professionalism. And I don't know that that needed to be said in order for us also to be professional. Yes. And competent. Yeah. That's my point. I've thought about workplace norms that I've had. And then I realize when I go visit someone else, someone else's workplace or talk to it, that they're not universal. This is the other thing that's really interesting about norms. We kind of assume in a lot of cases that everyone operates this way. Norms become so ingrained in some ways in our culture Mm -hmm. that we don't even think to think about them nor even nor challenge them. And then you go somewhere else and you go, oh, my God, really? You do that or you don't do that? Right. Wow. Why don't you guys do that? We used to have a place I used to work with. We always had alcohol. Always. Oh, yeah. No. There's always there's always like board meetings and we um, do have wine at the law firm, but it's always for our Friday once a month B&Bs. Yeah. Like, it's not just out there. Yeah, there's a very specific thing. I, we would ho- like whatever. Like we always had it. If anyone wants it, that's fine. No judgment. Have a beer while you're I sitting here talking. I have clients who have kegs in their office and I'm always like, uh, I thought we had a no alcohol policy <laughs> in your handbook. Why is there a keg in the corner? Right. Which is also that discrepancy between policy yes. and actual. Yes. But then I go to other some places and they can't even purchase alcohol oh, on no. the company card. Oh, no. So, you know, these are all really interesting. Okay. I'm just, we're just, I love this subject. You do. I, I wasn't exactly sure how this would roll, but I love this subject. It's a good subject. So, what I like so much about it is now that I've been in the workplace for these decades, I love seeing how things have changed. Yes. Like with clothes. Like that's been a very interesting thing. Um, I think it, you know, we had some statistics that we read about discussing politics in the workplace. Yep. It used to be considered a big no-no. Nobody talked about politics in the workplace. And and now it's like 23% of the people thought it was okay to talk about... Um, uh, politics and religion. Yes. And, and now it's like 43% think it's okay. Yeah. So significantly more people think it's okay to talk about politics. Well, I love this one too, that... And I still consider this a no-no. Love at work. Mm-hmm. Ooh, tricky, Having a tricky, romantic tricky. relationship with a coworker. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Finding love at work. Yes. Creating a romantic relationship. Hey, dude. I like to restate and clarify. I, I don't love know restating why. Restating and clarifying. You are. You are on fire. But it is like it's a, it's it is more acceptable now. Yeah. It's like you know years ago. It's like you know half the people said, oh no 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 no. And now just like 20% say, oh, no, 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 no. And 80% are like, have at it. Yeah, exactly. It's fascinating. It, these are changing re- really quickly, too. It's mm-hmm. just really interesting. And, you know, it's really, I find it to be really fun. It's a little bit scary, mm-hmm. but I find it to be more fun and interesting than scary. Yeah, and I love change. It's just been fascinating to just see. Wh- I mean, and like, 
in the olden, like the younger lawyers talk. In the olden days. In the olden days, I would never have like talked smack. There's one lawyer I worked with, Ken, who I would talk a lot of smack to, who was my senior partner. Okay. Founding partner of the law firm. And I would talk all kinds of smack to him, but we had a very good relationship. But, and maybe this is, maybe this is now I'm saying it, maybe I just have good relationships, but I can't imagine that's the case. All the young associates, all the associates of the law firm talk all kinds of smack to me. Really? Oh my gosh, totally. Like, I, it's just shocking to me sometimes. I'm like, I would never have. Now, I like it and I enjoy it and it's fun and it's funny. Yeah. But it's a huge change in the office norms. Exactly. Yeah. I had a client today, actually, who was just talking to me about a worker of hers. And she was saying, you know, I gave the special assignment. And if it were me, I would have been busting my ass overtime to make that thing perfect and she just clocks out at the end of the day she'll get to it the next day and she's like i don't i don't get it so you know the norm to stay mm-hmm. until seven or eight o'clock and get it done is and that's exactly right that's not the norm and as you know i've said before i think that's probably good i think it's probably okay mm-hmm. and so you another know, change another change and and i that is probably better for a fuller human it's it's interesting because all of these changes we are seeing, I think people are feeling them a lot um, right now because of the change that's been forced because of COVID. And so, you know, I do think it's worth exploring some other workplace norms that maybe should change or are going to change or are changing because of COVID. But before we do that, just really recognizing that you know, change happens when there's a major disruption. Mm-hmm. And then when the pieces resettle, you know, you can it's really hard to change without disruption. Yeah. It's yeah. Right. Yeah. And so with COVID and with a lot of the like work from home and the new and the new ways of of operating, especially if you work in a office setting or a place that could go remote. But even then, you know, schools uh, and nurses and care facilities and daycares and whatnot. Even those who went in person, you know, they've all we've all experienced this massive disruption. And so as the pieces fall and we rearrange them on the table, we're rearranging norms and in some cases for the better and also toss in this like great resignation. Mm -hmm. Right. That where people are like, oh, we have to actually attend to culture and to workers and to workers mm-hmm. talk about the marketplace flipping where it used to be that management was in control. And I really think workers yep. are, you know, I think they're moving to the upper hand, frankly, they are. And so a lot of these norms are shifting and moving mm-hmm. and the more explicit we can be about them and the conversation, the more agency we can give people to shape them, mm-hmm. the very people who will be most impacted by them, the kind of the better off we will. Uh, B. So you're saying there's an opportunity. Are you summarizing? No, I just want to make sure I know where we are. Uh, just you are doing it. You're myself. pulling a Karina right now. I may be, but I just want to make sure. I love it. Uh, if I haven't lost my train of thought because it's hard for me to keep all my thoughts together. Um, No. So what you're saying really is given the pandemic and all of the chaos and just the reality of the labor market, yep. the reality of people leaving the labor market there is an opportunity for our norms, which have changed, to even more quickly change. Yes, to continue and to more and to continue more quickly to change and to to um, change because we are intentionally intentional about it, trying to get to norms that work for more people. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and I could say one example is straight out of COVID with uh, sick being sick. 
Oh, not going to work when you're sick. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was considered, you, of course you go to work when you're sick. Uh, I mean, unless you have a fever, you're throwing up, you come in with a sniffling nose and you kind of, you apologize profusely and you kind of, you know, whatever, but you still come in unless mm-hmm. you're on your deathbed. Mm-hmm. And now it is like when people walk into work sick, everybody is horrified. Yeah. We had somebody in our office sick the other day and I had like three phone calls. I'm the COVID supervisor. Oh, I was going to say. I refer to myself as the COVID czar. You're the Fauci. And so You're if Anthony there's, Fauci. I'm the, I'm, I'm office Fauci. So if there's like something, an issue that people are concerned about, they come to me. I had like three people say, so-and-so is sniffling. Yeah. Get them out of here. And I was like, I'm on it. That is absolutely. So yeah, that's one of those social norms that you learn by trial and error. And that was a trial and, and error. error. <laughs> that was a trial and error. My uh, son, who's at university, same thing. He, he was kind of sniffler. I had a, he had a bit of a cough, like a dry allergy mm-hmm. cough. I was like, you can go to school. And he said, no, I can't. In fact, mm-hmm. the professors are like, no coughing or sneezing. If you have even a tickle, stay home. And they make accommodations for that now in a totally different way. It's totally different. And it's, isn't it human? Yeah. Now that is just a more human response. Yeah. Like if you're sick, stay home and take care of yourself. Don't come and spread your nasty germy self all over here. Like nobody, you know. Yeah. And you're. Do not give us the gift that we do not want by coming to work. Thinking you're doing us a favor. But it's interesting because you think about like the norm of stay home when you're sick translates into self care for yourself. Mm-hmm. So. You know, these can have a cascading effect on one another too. recognizing that changing one norm can change a whole bunch. So, well, if I stay home when I'm sick, what about when I don't feel good mentally? Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay home now, Mm -hmm. too, or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, again, I'm just going down the rabbit hole. What are the things you think are going to change or maybe should change because of COVID? I do think that long work hours are gone for many people and they're and they're going to continue to go. I just don't think that people are going to continue working 60 and 70 hour weeks. I think people are like 40 hours, one and done, you know, yeah. finish my day. It's good. I'm going to be out. And maybe I, I'm not quite sure what I think about flexibility in those hours. My own belief is, is that people want flexibility. So I don't know how that's going to work, mm-hmm. but I really like, I feel like in my office at five o'clock, there are only a few of us there until six or seven. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that the larger norm that's going to shift is this like kind of work life balance mm-hmm. shift. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the one of the ways that it's that it's sort of manifesting itself in your office that, yeah, we're kind of prioritizing caretaking of, of ourselves and others in a totally different yeah. way. I also think, um, you know, when you're talking about flexibility, I think that's a huge one, sort of the end of this mm-hmm. micromanaging mm-hmm. and the beginning of kind of ju- judging people, if that's a better word, um, evaluating their progress or success based on their work products, mm-hmm. not based on their amount of time in the office and not based on a daily or an hourly check in about their mm-hmm. progress. So that because because many of us have been working successfully and autonomously from Mm -hmm. home and people are and I think a lot of managers were surprised by that. Yeah. Like I can tell you when I talked about remote work before pandemic, um, it was not something people were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And now it's really hard to say it's not fine. 
There are a few kinds of jobs and a few people and a few situations where it really doesn't work. But for most folks, it does. I really think one thing that's happened, it might just be me, as many things. I might just be living in my own private bubble. But (laughs) I think that people do not like to be together in meeting rooms in person as much as they used to. There is an urgency to an in-person meeting or an efficiency to an in-person meeting that I did not feel before. I feel like when I'm in in in-person meetings now, people are more efficient. Yeah. Because they don't want to be sitting there breathing whatever. Or we got had to get really efficient with Zoom. Or I don't want to wear this mask forever, so I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think there was a statistic uh, during the pandemic, the number of meetings rose by 12%, but the average meeting time declined by 20%. So so teams have increased communication, but also increased the efficiency and value of their meetings. Mm -hmm. So you're not, it's not, you're not, it's not your own private bubble. Well, I really, it's that's, that is a great, I'm glad to hear that because sometimes you just wonder whether your anecdotal experience is similar to other people's. Yeah, totally. Yep. You know, it feels to me that there is a common theme in these, Karina. Really, it does. And it feels like things are getting more human, more human scale. Yeah. Right? Yes. That that the workplace is becoming like just more open to the realities of being human, to the realities of of children, of diverse lifestyles, of different needs. So in the sense that norms are changing to better accommodate our humanness, mm-hmm. I just think this is a great opportunity. Yeah, and I think that if if a workplace can capture these and write them down and socialize mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. so they are universally um, accepted, then we do start to see this systemic change sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of human, though, I have to say just this one tidbit that popped out at me in one of the articles that we read that I really loved. And that was this woman who had uh, Sandy Carter, a VP at Amazon Web Services. Did you see this? No. That she wrote? She at the she it works for her to work at odd hours. She's juggling a lot and she's sending emails in the middle of the, you know, late evening or whatever. You know, a norm in many workplaces is you if you get a text or an email, it doesn't matter what time it is from the supervisor, you the respond. VP, you respond. Well, Sandy says um, at the bottom of her message, getting this email out of normal working hours, question mark, we work at a digitally enabled relentless pace, which can disrupt our ability to sleep enough, eat right, exercise, and spend time with people that matter most. I am sending you this email at a time that works for me. I only expect you to respond to it when it's convenient for you. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's just like, you know, again, Mm -hmm. that expectation. And that's a VP. Which is a leadership person yes. who's modeling this about, yeah, pick what works for you. Yeah. Like there was a time that I would not send an email out after 10 o'clock at night. I put a delayed delivery on it mm-hmm. for seven in the morning because then I was like, I wouldn't look like a crazy midnight worker. I look like an early bird. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I would just be like, what am I doing? And I've stopped doing that. Now I'm just like, I'm I'm, I'm like this woman. Yeah. I want us. I want to have this. Like, hey, I'm sending this at a time that works for me, but please do not feel compelled mm-hmm. to answer it until it works for you. This just happens to be, you know, a time that I can get to it. Yeah. And I think you know there are t- there's so many of these things that are really 
in front of us right now that we personally and professionally can explore. And again, I'll say it when we do and when we're able to nail the kind of the the norms that work for us and those around us and everyone is clear about them and they're not based on white male patriarchy culture, we create the conditions to retain employees, to feel successful, Mm -hmm. to know what success looks like. To be more human. To be more human Mm -hmm. and to find that ease, meaning, and joy that Mm -hmm. we're talking about all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe the norm of we are retrospective and conscientious of our norms, of of our behavior, is where you start, you know? Oh, I think that's absolutely where we start. We start with awareness. Yeah. It's, and I have, even in my own firm, which I am pretty much like a Hawkeye on watching how things go down. Um, doing this episode and researching this episode has really caused me to do the Jane Goodall. Yeah. To put in the vest on, get in the pad out. Ooh, what's that? Why do we do that? Who does that? Uh, yeah. It's interesting. What do we, what do we allow? And I can't, I want to say maybe it's, maybe it's Brene Brown says your culture is determined by the worst behavior you're willing to accept. I think that is Brene Brown. And so, you know, and like, that's norms. Yeah. Like you said, what are these bad norms you're willing to accept? So let's make sure our culture is defined by the word you know, let's make and really sure. reflected by who we who we want to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't say who we are because sometimes that's because sometimes sometimes we could do a little better than that. That's a new that's <laughs> going to be days, my new meme. And some days not. <laughs> sometimes who you are is fine. And sometimes Just you fabulous. can do a little bit better. Um, hey, thanks for doing this episode yes. with me. Normal. Thanks. Or not. Normal or not. Thanks for listening, Thank friends. Thank you for Take listening. Care. Happy holidays. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 